Hi, this is Felix Chimeranyika, lead pastor of Kairos Christian Center in Lilonga, Malawi. I'm happy that you've joined us for the Kairos Lilonga podcast, and I believe God is going to inspire you and break you through into your kingdom destiny as you hear the word unpack. This is your Kairos moment, God's appointed season for your kingdom breakthrough. Hallelujah. I'd like for you to turn your Bibles to 1 John, 1 John chapter 1. I feel the Lord is, uh, is, is speaking to us. I felt this in my heart as, even as we're worshiping. The Lord is saying to us, listen, the, the darkest hour is just before dawn. Your breakthrough is coming, but the darkest hour is just before dawn. And in that dark hour, it's very confusing. There are a lot of people going through a lot of confusing things right now in their lives. But it's the darkest hour. It's just before the dawn. The dawn is going to come. Right? Just be faithful in what God has called you to be faithful in. Just do as, as he has called you to do. Yes, the darkest hour is also a time that God reveals our hearts. Right? And in that dark hour of, re- of the revelation of your heart, of the things that are not right in your heart, it's not to turn away from God, it's to turn to God. And as you turn to God, God is going to bring about the things that he has promised to you. Amen? Amen. I want to release the kids for Sunday school as well. Kids, if you're here for Sunday school, I want to pray for you and release you. If you're here, kids for Sunday school. I don't have them today. Okay, great. First, uh, John chapter 1. We're starting a new series today. Hallelujah. Starting a new series and God is moving us forward. I really believe that God speaks to us through his word. And even as we choose a particular book of the Bible to start reading and, and hearing from it, God is moving us in the dimension of that, of that word that we're getting. Amen. So First John chapter 1, I read from verse 1 all the way to chapter 2, verse 6. Hear the word of the Lord. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands, concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest, and we have seen it, and testified to it, and proclaimed to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. This is the message we have heard from Him and proclaimed to you. But God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with Him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make Him a liar, and His word is not in us. My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for our sins only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And by this we know that we have come to know Him if we keep His commandments. Whoever says, I know Him, but does not keep His commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in Him. But whoever keeps His word, in Him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in Him. Whoever says He abides in Him ought to walk in the same way in which He walked. All men are like grass, and their glory like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God lives on forever. 
Holy Spirit, we invite you. May you speak to us. In Jesus' name I pray. May you see. Walking in the light. Walking in the light. Sometimes we live under a fiction. Sometimes we prefer to live in a lie. Sometimes we prefer to think, oh, you know, we are like this, but then things are not like that. And I want to bring a, an example here that is painful even to me. So we say today is the 6th of July. We're celebrating 50 years of being independent, isn't it? Right? And I'm sure if you look back to the people that were there in 1959 or 1964, on 6th July, there was that you know jubilation and expectation that 50 years from now, things are not going to be the same, right? We have become independent. We don't have to be, you know, we don't have to be expecting the British to tell us what to do. 50 years on, <laughs> uh, the West still tells us what to do. 50 years on, we can't run our own budget. We can't run our own house. 50 years on, we are worse than where we were 50 years ago. That's the truth of the matter. And so we can leave this fiction of we're independent. <laughs> but the truth is something else, isn't it? Just as we do in the spiritual or in the physical things, this also happens in the spiritual. Even in the spiritual, we can come at a point of thinking, oh, I'm standing, oh, I'm going to go to heaven, oh, I'm standing with Christ and I'm serving Him, but when the truth is very far from Him. That's why we need to walk in the light. We need to walk in the place where things are clear. Things are seen. And that's what John starts off talking about. In fact, in his letter, he really talks about walking in love. I mean, walking in the light, walking in love, and then walking in the truth. Really, that's a summary of the whole letter from chapter 1 up until chapter 5. But he's calling the people that he is writing to, to be people that are walking in the light. What is walking in the light about? What is it about? This passage tells us that walking in the light, one is the manifestation, is about the manifestation of the light. Then he's going to say, walking in the light is about the fellowship of the light. And that walking in the light is also about the perseverance in the light. First, walking in the light is about the manifestation of the light. Verse number one, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest and we have seen it and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing this thing so that your joy may, our joy may be complete. It's just one whole sentence. I mean, it's like John was just blown away by what he was about to say. What is he talking about? He says, that which was in the beginning. Now, when you're referring to somebody, you don't say that, do you? No, no, no. You say who, right? Right? And so here... John is giving us the impression that he is talking about something other than a human being, right? So that which was from the beginning. Remember, remember, this is the very same John who wrote the Gospel of John. And when he wrote the Gospel of John, he writes in John chapter 1, he says, in the beginning was the Word, isn't it? And the Word was with God, right? And he's referring to Jesus Christ. And so here too, the very same idea, in the beginning, that which was in the beginning. 
So we're talking here of a thing and also of, of a person. Watch. He says, we have heard, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, and we looked upon and have touched with our hands. Right? So he says, listen, this thing that I'm talking about is something I have evidence for. You get it? It's something I have evidence for. I'm not just talking about things I have not seen, I have not touched. I'm talking about things I have experienced myself. Right? And as I'm saying, he, he, he's talking about Jesus, but then also it seems like he's also talking about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Did you know Jesus is the embodiment of the gospel? Hallelujah! Turn to your neighbor till I wake up. Amen. Hallelujah. Jesus is the embodiment of the gospel. Right? He himself is the gospel. That which was in the beginning or from the beginning. He says we have seen, we have touched. He says this is concerning the word of life. So who is the word of life? Jesus is the word of life. John chapter 1, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God. Right? He says there was nothing created that was not created by the word. Hallelujah. Listen, walking in the truth is centered on Jesus. Walking in the light, rather, is centered on the revelation of Jesus or the manifestation of Jesus. Watch. It says in verse number 2, the life was made manifest and we have seen it and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was manifest, was made manifest to us. Right? That word manifest can mean also to reveal. The word was made manifest. The word of life, the one who created everything, the one by whom when God said, let there be light, he was the one that did that. This one was made manifest. Hallelujah. Listen, don't have a low view of Christianity. Let me put it this way. Don't have a low view of Jesus. If you have a low view of Jesus, your Christianity is gone. Christianity stands and falls on who Jesus is. And Jesus is God. He is God. He is God. He was there in the beginning. Again, John, in his gospel, he says, Nothing was created that was not created by him. Everything that is created was created by him. So to walk in the light is to walk with this understanding that the word of life, the word that brought life, was made manifest, has been manifested. And John is saying, I touched him. I saw him. I was with him. And so that's why I'm testifying to you. That's what he says in verse number two. The life was made manifest and we have seen it and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life, which was the Father and was made manifest to us. So what happens when you get into an encounter with the word of life, Jesus? Well, first of all, it's an experience, isn't it? The experience of the apostles, the ones that saw him. The ones that can say, listen, we know what he said and what he said is true. And whatever he claimed is true. We stand on the experience of the apostles. No one has seen Jesus. Maybe a revelation of Jesus. But seeing Jesus, flesh and blood? No. The ascended Jesus. The, ones who, who, the one who is revealed by the Holy Spirit. Yes. But Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Flesh and blood that walked the earth? Uh-uh. We rely on the evidence of the apostles. 
the ones that saw him, the ones that heard him. And to the extent that we line up with what they say, with what they testify, with what they give us evidence, to the same extent are we too walking in the experience of Jesus. Listen, today <laughs> we have all sorts of things that are trying to substitute themselves for Jesus. We have all sorts of things that are trying to substitute themselves for Jesus and we're going to go into error if we allow something to become the big thing other than Jesus. This is from what John is saying here. This is the most important thing. Right? What? She says in verse number 4, verse number 3, I'm sorry, so that, we, so that which we have seen and heard, we, pro we proclaim also to you. So he has experienced it, so he's testifying, and he's repeating himself, really. He says, we are also proclaiming to you. We're also preaching to you. Hallelujah. So if there's anything to be preached, what is he preaching? He's preaching Jesus. Not preaching the benefits of Jesus. Not preaching the things that Jesus can bring. Uh -uh. I don't know, some of you have kids, you know, and kids are, are not as sophisticated as us in, in showing their heart, isn't it? Right? And so, you don't give them something, they're really mad. You give them something, oh, I love you, daddy. It happens to me. Like, no, no, you want to play the game on the phone. That's why you're saying you love me. You get it? And so, we are in error. If we start running after the things that Jesus can bring and substitute manifestation of the word of life, the things that the word of life can bring to us. So he's saying, no, we're testifying to this word of life. Right? And what is the result of that? Look at verse number three at the end. It says, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, with His Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing this thing so that our joy may be complete. What is the result of this manifestation of the light, word of life? Well, you enter into this fellowship. You enter into this fellowship with the apostles. Because now you are, you are walking in the line of their testimony and evidence. You get it? You are now walking in the things that they are proclaiming and have said. So you end up in fellowship with the apostles. See, the church, even today, is an apostolic church. Why? Because we're standing in the teaching, in the sayings, in the ways of doing things of the apostles. And we may actually say, to the extent that we're standing in the line of the apostles, in terms of their teaching, in terms of their practices, to the same extent we are a church. When we deviate from what the apostles taught, things we have deviated from the fellowship of the apostles and we're not a church. Hallelujah. Look, a church is not a place where people get healed. Do you know you can go to Singanga and get healed? A place is not a place where, you know, people have their, you know, their, their, their spirits lifted up and they're feeling joyful. You can go to Isaac and Jacobo and still be happy. You know that? And still, and still love. No, we're a church in so far as we are following in the doctrine of the apostles. 
That's why here we always open up that word and we teach that word because we know it's so very easy to look around us and look at the needs around us and start talking about those needs. Oh, we can talk about poverty, isn't it? Poverty is all around us. We need prosperity, don't we? We can talk about all those things, right? I mean, we can talk about the things that need to happen in our marriages so that our marriages become what God has called them to become, right? And we can zero in or just focus on our problems and miss what the apostles were about. We are in the continuation of the line of the apostles. Watch this. It says the result is that we end up in fellowship, in fellowship with them, right? And also that fellowship will lead us into the fellowship of the Father and the Son. Right? So to walk in the line of the apostles, to walk in the doctrine of the apostles, will lead us to the fellowship that the apostles have with Jesus Christ and His Father. Amen. In a sense, the way to getting to Jesus is through the revelation of Jesus that the apostles have left for us. Hallelujah. Why, Why is He mentioning this? Listen, John, you want to tell me there were no poor people there? There were not sick people? You want to tell me there were no needs that you could actually talk about? Why didn't you just give us seven steps to get out of poverty? That's not the issue. The issue for them is the good news that has come in Jesus Christ. The issue for them ultimately, look, somebody can pray for you to get healed and then you can get sick again. Somebody can pray for you and you get the money that you're looking for, but you still be dissatisfied in your heart again. Now, am I saying we don't need money? Am I saying we don't need healing? Oh, we want those things. We need them to do what God has called us to do. But that's not the ultimate thing that we're looking for. We're looking for the manifestation of the word of life. So he says, another result Fellowship with Christ, I mean fellowship with the apostles, fellowship with the Father and the Son, but also joy. He speaks of their joy. Oh, his joy. That his joy may be fulfilled when we hear the gospel. When he's obedient to what God has called him to do. Listen, there is a joy in sharing the gospel. There is a joy in seeing people transformed and changed. There is a joy... <laughs> When you see somebody that his life was totally scattered, confused, and was going nowhere, and you share the gospel with that person, and that person's life starts changing, it's a joy. It's a joy. Now watch it. Joy is not happiness. Somebody said, happiness dep depends on my circumstances. So I can go out Friday night and feel happy. Hey, happy. Hey, hey, hey. Happy, right? But deep inside me, I have issues. So drunk as I am, dancing as I am, and getting on the floor and getting jiggy with it, or whatever it is that they say now, inside me I can have a hole, an emptiness inside me in my soul. Joy does not depend on the circumstances. Joy really is your orientation to God, your assurance that God has got this whole thing under control. That's why James can say in James chapter 1, in verse number 2, he says, Consider it joy, brethren, when you go through various trials. <laughs> Consider it joy. Because listen, 
this thing that we have, this word of life, the world didn't give it to us. And the world cannot take it from us. Tell your neighbor, if the world didn't give it to you, if the world didn't give it to you, the world can take it from you. Mm -hmm. If the world didn't give it to you, it can never take it from you. Listen, there's a joy when you're in Christ. There's a joy when you have met him. There's a joy unspeakable. Nobody can take it away from you. Look, let's not reduce meeting Jesus Christ to ordering our lives. Because some people think, oh, you know, when I become a Christian, then I'll stop lying. When I become a Christian, then I'll stop doing, uh, you know, drinking and whatever. No, it's not just about that. There is a joy inside you that you know, that you feel. That when you think of, oh, me going to get drunk and have a hangover and lose all my money, that's no joy. You, make, you start making comparisons with what the world can give you and this joy unspeakable that you have inside you. And you come at a point of saying, that's useless. Oh, there was a time I'll get scared to go into a place where, you know, people are getting drunk. Because I'm going to be tempted. Oh, but now I've come at the conclusion, I know that I have something inside me that's more valuable. Listen, you can fill this whole place up with, with beer. I'm not going to touch anything. It's not even going to move me. Why? Because there is a joy of being in Christ that I see to be so much greater than the passing pleasures of sin. See, that's what meeting Jesus is. Meeting Jesus will give you this sense of fulfillment and contentedness that when sin rears its tantalizing, seductive head, you laugh and look the other way and do your thing. what he's saying we've experienced it now we're testifying so that you can come into fellowship with us and you can come into fellowship with the father and the son and that your joy may also be filled oh church please listen this jesus that we have received is not for us to keep ourselves it's for us to share in the joy I mean, don't you know people that are still struggling with those things you're struggling with those people that cannot wake up in the morning and even take a bath until they have <laughs> until they get high those people that have houses but not homes or they live in big houses but they don't have homes those people with their masks acting like things are working out for them, but they're not. Those people who smell really nice, but when you talk to them and ask them about their lives, they think their lives stink. There are enough of those people around us, friend, and our manifestation or the manifestation of this life calls us to share our joy with others. We must share it with others. We should show them, listen, you, you remember I used to be like this? But look at what God has done to me. He, he has done this for me. Now I'm not like that person anymore. I have changed. And here's the truth of the matter. Some of your friends that have seen your life of faith, they actually envy you. Deep down they envy you. Deep down they want to be like you. Deep down they want to have that contentedness. Because they realize that their possessions have really come at a point where they are possessed by their possessions. 
walking in the light, number one is about the manifestation of the life. Number two, walking in the light is about the fellowship of the light. So look at verse number four, number five there. It says, this is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Right, so there's a message that's being proclaimed. What message? Well, the good news of the kingdom of God, as in Christ Jesus. And the good news, you know, the gospel, very simple. It's sad that we complicate it. The good news, it says in Mark chapter 1, verse 4 and 5, it says the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He says, what was the gospel? The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe. That's what it is. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent from your sin and believe. That's the gospel. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe. Not, re not repent and be healed. No. <laughs> Hallelujah. Listen, here's the truth of the matter. Biblical Christianity has become a minority in the land. The gospel of the Bible has become a minority and it is rapidly becoming a minority because it is now being replaced by something else. So we look at our needs, we look at the things that we want and so we say, okay, Jesus, please help me with that. We're missing it. He says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and then all these things will be added unto you, isn't it? No wonder the gospel isn't going anywhere. No wonder the church isn't growing. No wonder there are no more, that we have fewer, fewer people getting born again. Why? Because we have settled for something less than the gospel. Hallelujah. Tell your neighbor, say amen anyway. But watch it. He says, this is the message we have heard. And so we are proclaiming it. And what is the message that God is like? And in him is no darkness at all. Listen, the fellowship with the Son and with the Father is a fellowship in this message. Is a fellowship in the fact that God is light and in him there's no darkness at all. That's what the fellowship is in. What is our fellowship as church? What brings us together? The gospel. When we take away the gospel, we become a club. When we take away the gospel, we become just another civic society. And by the way, maybe you don't know this, but you know they call us faith-based organizations. Eh? Yeah, we're, we are part of the civil society. So you have government, you have private institutions and private industry, and then you have civil society. <laughs> they have a category for us. Why? We have become harmless. Tame. Tame and harmless. Oh, yeah, you know this? Yeah, civic organizations, you, you put them in that very same group. No, no, we are the church of Jesus Christ. But the problem is, we have not shown that we are the church of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. We're just as corrupt as them, in other words. Our fellowship is a fellowship in the gospel message. Right? Watch. It says in verse number 6, If we say we have fellowship with him, while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Right? So what, what John is going to do, he's going to have like this 
five statements and say if, if, if. And it's as if there's somebody is saying some things like that. Right? And so he's correcting some errors. Right? If we say we have no fellowship with him, we have fellowship with him, while we walk in darkness, we lie and we do not practice the truth. So probably somebody was saying, oh, listen, you, you can, you, once saved, always saved. You can skin all you want and you still go to heaven. There's no, the truth is not in us. Then the truth is not in us. What's, what's fellowship? What's fellowship? Many of us, when we think of fellowship, we, we think of it as a religious word, isn't it? So the fellowship is the place I go to after church. No, that's not what it meant for these guys. The word fellowship then was actually used, was a business, was a business term, like partnership. So we are in partnership, I am in partnership with so-and-so, and we're doing our business together. You get it? That, that's what the word fellowship means. Fellowship means, it doesn't mean, you know, two fellows in a ship. Or seven fellows in a ship. No, 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 no. Fellowship is really our partnership. Meaning to say, there's an enterprise we're carrying out together. There's a business we're doing together. And, and we want to ensure that it gets, you know, it makes money. Right? Would you want to have a business partner who doesn't want to make money? I don't want to be a business partner. I just want to save souls. Go to church. Business, we make money. Hallelujah. Right? And so, here the idea is, we're in this business with God. Right? We're in fellowship with Him. And so when we say we're in fellowship with Him, here's what it should be. Well, we should not say, or let me read verse 6 again. If we say we have fellowship with Him, while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. So in other words, you're walking in darkness, you're not living the light. What is the light? Well, the truth that is... What is the darkness? Well, walking in sin. So you can say, I have fellowship with Jesus. Oh, I am born again. Oh, I'm a member of Kairos. You must be born again to be a member of Kairos. Right? And then at the very same time, you walk in sin. says, no. No, no, no. No, no, no. no. Right? We walk in dark, while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. So it's a fellowship of practicing the truth. Watch, it says again in verse number 7, But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Right? So it's a fellowship of believers, of people that are walking in the light. That's what it is. People that are walking in the light. Who are the people that are supposed to be close to your heart? The ones that you're walking together with in this life. There must be people that are also in the light. Now, that doesn't mean that you shouldn't have people in your life that are not saved. You shouldn't have people in your life that don't know Jesus. It doesn't mean that. What it means is the people that speak into your life, the people close to you are people that are also walking in the light. Why? You are in the same business enterprise of winning the world to Jesus. That's what this fellowship calls for. A fellowship with believers. A fellowship of being cleansed. It says, if we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. So it's a fellowship of being cleaned by Jesus. You haven't arrived yet. You haven't. I haven't arrived yet. I'm still being cleaned. I'm still being processed. We're all being processed. 
Right? Watch. It says in verse number 8, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Look. It's a fellowship of real people. People that are real. You know, some people just want to give you this, this idea that they never sin. That they never sin. And that, you know, they're really this, you know, holy, sinless person. There's no such thing. There's no such thing. Has anybody sinned today, this morning? Is somebody sinning now? You seen yesterday? Are you going to sin tomorrow? No, 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 no. I'm, that's why I'm church. I'm church, so I can't sin. You got the wrong reason to be in church. If you're in church so that you don't sin, you've got the wrong focus. Your focus should not even be on sin. Your focus should be on the life on Jesus. You know, some people are so focused on their sin, isn't it? Oh, you know, I don't want to do this. And they, they have this morbid fear. The, the joy is robbed out trying to please Jesus. It's like, listen, this Jesus is talking about joy, the joy of your salvation. But if we only focus on the sin, our sin, on the negative, and not focus on Jesus, we really are going to be in trouble. But then, this is for those that are arrogant, that say, I do not sin. So you find others say, oh, you know, I'm a son of God. And so son of God, a son of God does not, child of God does not sin. Misunderstanding this whole thing. Watch. It says, verse number 9. Verse number 8. If we, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is, is not in us. Verse number 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Right? So, again, it's a fellowship of the forgiven. We're all forgiven and being forgiven. Amen. In John, sometimes it sounds confusing, but in the first letter of John, there is sin, the big S sin, and then there are sins. Sin is what a person who has not accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior has. They're in sin. They're in sin. And the only way that they can get out of that sin is when Jesus comes into their lives and he becomes Lord and Savior or boss and Savior of their life. That's different from sins. Sins are those things that are committed by a person that is already in Christ, but because they're still living in a fallen world, because they're still struggling with a sin nature, right? Then... They sin. Christians are not sinless. Christians sinless. Christians are not sinless. We're not sinless. Look, if we were sinless, then there wouldn't be the whole issue of forgiveness after we are saved, isn't it? It's there because there are issues in our lives that we're growing into. Look, before you are saved, you see all your whole life and the sins that are in it. And you usually see the big things or the things that you consider big. Right? When you get saved, you start seeing things about you that you never even thought were sin. The way you talk to people. Even the way that you dress. The way that you think. 
But it's only when you get into the light that the light starts shedding light on your life. And you start seeing, oh, okay, I, I shouldn't be saying that. I shouldn't be thinking like that. Right? That's still sin. So if we say that we have not sinned, then the truth is not in us. In fact, we're deceiving ourselves. And we are supposed to confess our sins before Him because He is faithful and just to forgive all our iniquities. Listen, to confess means to agree with. Literally, it means that to agree with. So you agree with God that you have done such, such a thing. You know, some of us, the hard thing that we can ever do is to say we are sorry, eh? before you. It's a fellowship of the forgiven, a fellowship of those that are walking in the truth. Listen, Christianity is not just about you and Jesus. Christianity is not just about you and Jesus. It's also, it's also about other believers. And also how you fit in with the other believers called church. You have been called to a fellowship. We're supposed to be part of this body of Christ. That's what this is about. Did you know? Your maturity in God, your growing spiritually, is directly dependent on your being in a body. By yourself you'll never see your sin, right? There's some sin that is so hidden, you won't know it until you're with other people. Would you agree with me? So if you're not with other people, there'll be some sin inside you that will never be known by you that it is sin, right? So this fellowship that we have called church is really to help us to root out sin in our lives. The instruments... That God uses, one of the instruments that He uses to help us with the issue of sin is other people. But if we have this attitude that says, oh, who does he think he is? You mean he doesn't sin himself? We're missing the point. He sins himself. So, and you sin too. It's just that he doesn't know his sin very much. And you don't know your sin that much. And you need each other so that you can show each other your sins. And help each other grow. Hallelujah. That pastor was just talking about me today. That's a whole idea. The whole idea is that you wake up to the fact that, oh, I have issues in my life. And I need to go to God so that God can help me. Paul writes, he says, confess, James actually, confess your sins to one another so that you may be healed thereby. Because as far as James is concerned in James chapter 5, there is some sickness that comes because of sin. And for that person who needs healing for, I mean, who needs a prayer for healing, that person must confess that sin to somebody else. Then the healing is going to come. Right here in this place, 
are people that you can talk to about your issue. And let's put in a very diplomatic way, issue. No, your sin. There are people in here you can talk to about your sin. The sin, here is my sin. I'm struggling with this. Come, we'll talk about it. We're all struggling with something, you know? We're all struggling with something. Tell your neighbor, I'm struggling with something. I'm not struggling. If you say you have no sin, you deceive yourself and the truth is not in you. You're struggling with something. You see, church is so unreal, isn't it? Church is so unreal. Church is like a for Hallelujah. <laughs> the heating anointing. <laughs> but church, unfortunately, is full of unreal people. That want to act like they've got it together. Oh, no, I don't want them to know my issue. But we're all a bunch of people with issues. That's why we come here. I don't know if you get it. That's why we come here. That's why we meet together in cell. So that we can help each other with our issues. Because that's God's way of helping us with our issues. What is walking in the light about? It's about the manifestation of the light. It's about the fellowship of the light. And finally, it's about perseverance in the light. Persevering, continuing in the light. Verse number 1 of chapter 2. Listen to what John says. He says, my little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. He says, my little children. Who are his little children? Well, the Christians that he's writing to. So probably this letter of John just like Revelation, we're reading about maybe 85, 90 A.D. John the Apostle was the last of the apostles to die. You get it? And so Jesus died about 29 A.D. Right? So let's just say 30. 30 to 90, that's 60 years, isn't it? And if John was in his 20s or maybe 30, when he was following Jesus, he's like maybe 90. Isn't it? So he's this old bearded guy. And church history tells us that, you know, sometime they tried, after, after, after trying to boil him in, in hot oil, they couldn't kill him. <laughs> right? And they just sent him to the island of Patmos. That's what, you know, some church historians say from, an, uh, from ancient times. Right? But he's living on. And when he's writing, he's like the oldest of the people in there. So, I mean, he's earned his right to say, my little children. I like this unto you. Oh, but don't you know we're brothers? Yeah, we are, but you're my little children because you've come to faith because of people like me. Right? That's what he's basically saying. Right? And so he says, my little children, I'm writing this to you so that you may not sin. Uh -uh. You mean a Christian sins? Yes. I don't know about you, but the lie that the devil had me in was to believe that once I say I'm born again. And so I was scared to say I was born again. I was very scared to say I was born again, even though I prayed that prayer a couple of times. Even though I was reading the Bible, I was scared to say I'm born again. Because I thought, when I get born again, then I stop sinning. I shouldn't sin ever again. And so I'm waiting for that moment that I stop sinning, I stop thinking about And then I can say, yes, I'm born again. You will never get there. Nobody ever gets there. Sinless perfection? Where you don't sin at all? No, 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 no. No. Why? Because we're still living in a fallen world. We're still struggling with the sin nature. Hallelujah. We're still struggling with the sin nature. 
That's why he's saying, my little children, I write this to you, these things to you, so that you may not sin. Hallelujah. But you know, they saw me that I did this even though I repented to God. Yeah, but it doesn't mean you're any less a Christian. You are not any less a Christian because of what you did last night. Hallelujah. Oh, but uh, um, I don't want to feel good about it. No, don't feel good about it. Feel good about the fact that you're a child of God. Listen, the gospel is liberating. It frees you from having to act holy. Why? Well, because I'm not holy. I mess up. I say things. You mess up. You say things. Yeah, I just said something this morning. Back. Yeah. Welcome to the fellowship. My little children, I write these unto you so that you may not sin. But, I love that part. This is the part I love. But, if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Ah. <laughs> so if I mess up, God has got a plan for me. Yes, he has. He's called Jesus Christ. He is the righteous one. He is the advocate. The one who speaks on your behalf. Hallelujah. Oh, what if you knew that to go, tomorrow I'm going to, to get judged in the court. But, you know, the judge is my father. <laughs> or there's somebody there that can speak to the judge on my behalf. That's the whole point. Christian, when you have become a believer, when you are washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, you have Jesus Christ being your, your advocate, your lawyer at the right hand of the Father. And he's righteous. You're not righteous. I'm not righteous. But He is righteous. And God listens to Him because He is righteous. Paul writes, he says, God made Him who knew no sin... To become seen for us so that we might become his righteousness god's righteousness in jesus christ that's what the cross was about the cross was about god an angry god who is angry at sin and who is also just to ensure that every sin every sin must be paid for and so on the cross he made him who knew no sin to become sin for us because he that had to be paid for. Sin must be paid for. You borrow money from the bank. You can't pay it. But you find somebody that can pay for you. You are even with the bank. Isn't it? Very same thing with God. God very angry at sin. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But. His son comes down, pays the price of sin on the cross. And I'm pointing up there like there's a cross there, right? Just think there's an imaginary cross like in the other church you used to be at. Right? So, that pays for God's anger. And that's what the next verse says. It says, He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the world. What is He? Who is He? He is the payment. He is the appeasement to God. God is angry at sin. Very angry at sin. Because sin is not part of his original plan in the earth. And so when sin shows up, God must take it out. 
when sin shows up in your life, God must take it up. How? The blood of Jesus. So it's the blood of Jesus that satisfies the anger of God. Some versions use the word, not propitiation, but expiation. But it's a weaker word. Because it really talks about, you know, just Jesus Christ being the means only. No, it's not just the means. It's God punishing Jesus. Hallelujah. Is salvation free? To you it's free. To Jesus it's not. Salvation is free to you because of Jesus. To Jesus it's not free. He paid for the price. He made propitiation for it. It's a point here. Watch. He says, verse number 2 again, He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Not our sins, but potentially everybody in the world. What does that mean? Does it mean that, you know, everybody's going to say he's going to be saved? Whoever believes on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's a means of salvation. But there is enough grace in there for everybody. Watch. Verse number 3. And by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Watch now. Watch it. This, by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. How do you know? How do you know? Or what assurance can you have that you are saved? The assurance? You are keeping his commandments. What assurance do you have that you are really born again? You are keeping his commandments. Oh no, it's not that. It's when I raise my hand up and receive Jesus to come to my life. Wrong, 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 wrong. Any fool can do that. Any desperate person can say, Jesus come into my life, right? I mean, you're faced with a lion or you're about to be hit by a car. What's, what's the thing you're going to do? Jesus, save me. Right? But it doesn't mean afterwards you're going to be living according to his commandments. No. So the proof or the assurance rather that you are saved will come from your obeying his commandments. So here is the big question that you should ask your friend right now. Are you obeying his commandments? Ask him. Are you obeying his commandments? Watch. Verse number four. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar. And the truth is not in him. Ask anybody, are you a liar? Because we can say that we know him. Oh, I know Jesus. Oh, Jesus. You have Jesus on your bracelet. Jesus on your, you know, your, the bumper of your car. Jesus on your windscreen. Jesus on your computer. Jesus this and Jesus that and Jesus this. But the question becomes, are you keeping his commandment? Because if you don't, you're a liar. So he says, but whoever keeps his word, in him truly, the love of God is perfected. Or, the other, word, the other way to translate that, perfected, is the love of God is made genuine. It's seen to be real. Whoever obeys him. Whoever walks in the light. Whoever walks like he is walking. Hallelujah. By this, we may know that we're in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walks. 
this is the part where we have our security as a believer. That I am obeying him, I am walking like he walked. See, true Christians will persevere up until the end. He who believes to the end will be saved, isn't it? The mark of a true Christian is perseverance. Perseverance. When somebody is truly born again, they're truly, 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 truly born again. They can never lose their salvation. Why? Because inside them is the seed of God that will move them to the place where they'll be obedient till the end. Does that mean you never fall once or twice or whatever? Yeah, though a righteous man falls seven times, he rises yet. So true Christians have this assurance, this security that comes from their obedience. They're, it's not like they're working towards their salvation. No, it's because they are saved that they actually act like that. Amen. So the ones that are not saved will not act like that. So you'll see them, they get really, really busy for Jesus. The first two years they get saved, and then afterwards, boom, they're gone. As fast as they came on the scene, faster they leave from the scene. One minute they were preaching, they were on every street corner, bugging everybody to know about Jesus. The next thing is, they're getting drunk at the beer hole. He who perseveres to the end will be saved. The true mark of a Christian is the perseverance to the end. What can be the source of your assurance that I'm truly born again? I am really going to heaven. Your obedience to God. If you're not walking in His commandments, friend, forget about it. You may not be one of us. Now, the reason that you're worried that you may not be one of us is because you're one of us. See, that's how it works. If you're worried that you're not one of us, it means you're one of us because it's the Holy Spirit that has planted that idea in you that, no, you, you should want that. You should, be, you should be one of them. You get it? The ones that are not one of us, they don't care. Oh, what are you talking about, man? It's about time you finish. But listen, let's not fall into this fiction. This fiction of thinking we are something that we're not. This fiction of saying, oh, we're independent. But in reality, there's nothing about us that shows independence. Hallelujah. This thing that I'm a Christian and I'm a believer. But in reality, there's nothing in your life that is pointing to the fact that you're a believer. May God bring revival in our hearts. May God bring revival in our hearts. May God shed his light broadly into our lives and show us the places where there are darknesses in our lives. May we align ourselves to the word of God and become what he has said we are supposed to become. Let's stand. Up. I want you to talk to God this morning again and talk about those areas in your life that you know, you know, you know, you know are not right. Thank you for listening to the Kairos Lolongwe podcast. I trust you've been blessed. Please do us a favor and share this podcast with friends on Facebook, Twitter, WhatsApp, and whatever social media you're on. May the Lord break you through into your kingdom destiny. Blessings.